Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Brady Miller, the digital content manager at GoHunt.com. Brady, how you doing? Hey, really good, Jay. Excited to be on again. Yeah, it was uh, great having you on. Uh, last time I saw you, I believe, was at SCI in Vegas and almost didn't recognize you. You were clean shaven and uh, uh, <laughs> didn't recognize you. I know. Yeah, I've had to let the beard grow out a little bit and... Are you back to fine form now? Yeah, back to fine mountain form. <laughs> nice. Well, you just had a weak moment there or what? I think I had a lapse in judgment, you know, just wasn't quite thinking clearly. It was, you know, that weird off-season time in between everything. <laughs> Either that or there were things growing in your beard that you didn't didn't want there? <laughs> yeah, I found some, found some stuff from the season, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're kind of right in the middle of application season here, Brady, and today I wanted to talk to you about... Uh, Colorado and specifically the deer uh, uh, with the draw coming up April 4th uh, you know it's uh, today's the deadline for New Mexico being the 22nd of March but uh, April 4th deadline for Colorado's coming up so I wanted to talk to you about deer and and um, uh, first and foremost you've had some great success in in Colorado yourself hunting deer can you tell us a little bit about that yeah, I mean, Colorado, to me, has always, you know, been a spot I've always wanted to check out. And then in the last two years, I've finally gotten a chance to go over there. Like in, what was it, 2015, I archery hunted. Never been to the unit before. Uh, hunted with Lorenzo. And that was the, I'm sure a lot of people might have seen the hunt by now. It's that uh, into thin air one. We did a big video on my high country archery hunt. And it was the, you know, the heartbreak of, you know, my hunting so far, I know I lost. I ended up losing a deer that we figured went like two oh three, two oh seven. Just a just a giant, you know, giant typical with a bunch of inlines and extras, and just like that picture perfect deer everyone's goes to Colorado for in the high country, and ended up shooting them, and you know, just things didn't work out, and hit them kind of far back, cording away, and we spent three days looking for them and hiked over 30 miles zigzagging back and forth trying to find the deer so colorado was really awesome in the fact that you know we never stepped foot in the unit and just scouted it on insiders grinded it through you know arrow imagery and found the unit and found where we wanted to go so that's why i think colorado is such a gem state it's like no matter where you go you're gonna find deers just figuring out what the habitat is that you're comfortable hunting you know, and then just finding out those little hidden gem spots by, like, you know, grinding out, like, buck doe ratios and tag allocation numbers to make sure you're not competing with people. So it's it's a great state. And then, like, this last year in 2016, you know, I shot the biggest deer of my life once, ag- once again. This time, you know, I didn't have that same heartbreak feeling. But, you know, I ended up, ended up shooting a deer that, you know, grossed over 200 and just one of those deer where I stare at all the time. And I just am like, wow. <laughs> I you know, how did this happen to me? And just feel really blessed to have found a deer and then taken a deer. And it's just like one of those weird, crazy stories too. I mean, it's Colorado has just been amazing to me. And it's like how, how you have to grind out and you never know what you're going to find. And all of a sudden, boom, you find a giant and then to be able to take a giant too, it's just icing on the cake. So it's, it's been really good to me. Yeah. And I mean, I think you point out something there is, you know, the, a couple of these units that you've hunted, you know they're not the the premier units that you know it, it gets so much attention but you you still can find opportunity and i think that's one thing about colorado that's so cool is even 
you know, their opportunity, they're still giant deer, whereas other states, maybe there's, you know, opportunity type hunts, but maybe the quality isn't as good. Colorado's a little bit of an anomaly in that almost every single unit you can find a big deer if you, if you know, if you work at it. Yep, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, from the from the zero point units to the, uh, you know, the four or five ten point units, you know, there's, there's things for everyone. Like you could hunt it every year if you really want to. If you want to pick up limited, you know, limited weapons like archery, muzzleloader, it's like, I think that's where a lot of the keys in Colorado lies. Being able to, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little bit, figure out, okay, hey, we're gonna go in blind, and kind of just getting the confidence to, hey, just jump over that little, you know, stepping stone and say, hey, I'm going to go Colorado this year. I'm just going to try it out. And like, you'll find, you'll figure out units and then you'll be able to hunt them, you know, every, every other year or maybe every year if you're an archery, you can pull tags, you know, and, you know, point creep a lot of these units, but it's, it's a place to be right now. Even, even with winter kill and stuff like that, everyone keeps talking about, oh yeah, the winter was so bad in 2016, but really, was it that bad? That's what, it was more norm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like we've been so blessed for so for so long, and it's like I really don't think it was as bad as everyone says. Yeah, there's, you know, Gunnison Basin, it got plowed. Like, and I was looking, I was building that uh, Colorado App strategy on Go Hunt, you know, I was looking at, you know, some of the new weather stuff, and yeah, Gunnison Basin in February got 200 to 250% of normal precipitation just in February. So it's like that's kind of alarming, and there's like certain pockets Colorado got hammered, and same thing with like, you know, Wyoming. But in Idaho as well, but it's like, it's not, the rest of the state was really around that like 110, 130% of normal. It's like, it's really not that much of an anomaly year, I don't think. So, Brady, why don't we take the time for those listening, um, maybe that haven't listened to any of my other uh, podcasts on Colorado and just give a brief overview of how the Colorado draw works and especially with how it works with deer. Yeah, so Colorado's pretty straightforward in the sense of, uh, you know, you need, you need to apply every year, so there's no over-the-counter tags, so you, um, the application deadline, like I said, was April 4th, and basically it runs on a true preference point system, so the tags are awarded to people with the most points, um, and it's kind of a, a difficult state to, you know, maybe apply for for a lot of people, because you do have to front all the fees, so... So what is it you have to pay up front? I think it's like, you know, deer tags three hundred seventy nine dollars. You have a, you know, an app fee along with that, and so you end up getting, it end up being everything but like forty three dollars you get back when you have to, when you do it. So once you apply, if you don't draw, you'll gain a preference point that year, and it'll go towards you next year. So it's just yeah, the preference point scale. So a lot of times you can look and you can bank on okay, this unit takes, you know, three four points to draw pretty much have no chance up until you get to that point and boom, they'll be able to draw the tag. Yeah. So it's, it's a true preference point where you have to have that many bonus points in order to have a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unless something I learned from Chris Rowe is that hybrid draw, I believe in, and, and this is for elk. I'm not sure if it works for deer, but the hybrid draw, if there's, um, if, if it takes more than 10 points for a resident, uh, in Colorado to draw, then it goes into a hybrid draw and it actually uh, that unit goes where you actually do have somewhat of a little bit of a chance to draw in the in a general pool type situation yep that is correct yep is that does that apply for deer do you know uh 
I wouldn't be a hundred percent certain on that. I think they, I think it does have an elk and deer effect. Okay. I've never, I've never looked into that because of, you know I don't. I always try to find those easier, yeah. easier dry areas. But I mean, and the ne- next biggest thing I would probably you know like people to touch on is like in Colorado, you do have first through fourth choice, but really first choice in Colorado and 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 slightly second choice are everything. I mean, like I pulled some numbers off a bunch of the state reports when I built the app strategy and it was like 86% of deer tags in Colorado are drawn first choice. And right away it's like, Oh, that's a super alarming number. But then you get down to like, okay, what's second choice? Second choice only covers 11.9%. And then, so you're looking at all the tags are being taken up in that first choice, second choice. And then third choice is only getting one and a half percent. And then fourth choice is 0.6% of all the tags. So really one and two are, I mean, pretty much all that matters. Yeah, you're really not drawing anything else. So it's like, yeah, that's why I was going to try to find, okay, am I going to hunt this year and build a point and try to hunt and try to draw a second choice unit or, you know, bank on just applying to, you know, you can even gain a preference point and not try to apply. We still have to upfront the fees and, you know, plan out for future years. So it's, I, I really like Colorado's system. I think it's one of the most straightforward systems and it's, you know, like I said, it's kind of easy to plan around, which I always like. You can say, hey, I'm going to hunt these other states this year and I'm going to bank on Colorado you know, two, three years or, Hey, I'm going to, you know, build up seven, eight points for a, you know, different higher tier unit. So for sure, it's a, it's a good system. One question. So you've talked about the draw, talked about how it works. Uh, mule deer for you, you know, in, in knowing you and following, you know, what you do, it seems like mule deer are the animal that, that you really, really like the most. I'm curious if you could speak to the animal itself. Yeah, like uh, habits of it, the animal, or what do you... Yeah, just, just from a standpoint of why, you know, do you truly like mule deer? Do you like to hunt mule deer <laughs> over the other animals? Um, oh, yeah, I could, easily, I could easily dive in. That could be a whole hour and a half long discussion. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it just comes down to... I think just the level of, you know, not like skill set, quote unquote, you need, but it's just like a lot of things have to come come together in a mule deer hunt. You know, they're in certain, they're in every terrain pretty much in the West, which I think is really cool. You know, you can hunt them in high alpine basins, you can hunt them down in the nasty deserts, you can hunt them in the sagebrush country and the rolling hills, you can hunt them, you know, in big, you know, eastern, eastern plains of Montana and everywhere in between. And it's like, I love glassing. That's my biggest like thing. I just love, you know, technical optics and sitting there and like glassing apart a mountain, feel like you're just like, you know, soaking in the moment of the hunt. And I feel like that's a really cool part of mule deer. Cause it's kind of, you know, you're, you have to work really hard to get into mule deer habitat. And once you're up there, it's like, well, then the work really starts to know you gotta try to find these animals. And I just think it's, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I understand why guys love elk hunting, you know, they bugle and, you know, run at you, scream in your face, and which like mule deer, you're just up there, it's all pristine in the morning, you're just you, yourself, you're, you know, sipping on a coffee next to you, and get your big optics up, it's glassing, big train, and to me, that's just like a pinnacle of hunting, is hunting a mule deer in the mountains, and trying to take one like that way, it's just like, I don't think there's anything better really than glassing every day, finding a big velvet buck, finding a hard horn buck in the, in the rut, and there's a weird, weird animal that's just so their little habits they do they're like so predictable at some time of the year then other times you're just like you know throw those weird tricks at you and like how does this deer get away how does he survive all these seasons all these 
you know, from August until November, they're hunted, and it's just like a true survivor, I guess, and it's just super, super addicting to me to figure out all these different states, and they can hunt them a lot, too, which is I like, so you can, like, really learn and become a student of the mule deer and, you know, learn your tactics all the time, and just something you can keep advancing at, and I think there's just so many things to learn about mule deer in every state you go to. It's always a, a new learning curve, you, a new learning experience they throw at you, in a sense. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's one of those things, too, like, you would think that, you know, you see a standard boxy 4x4 four four and, you know, like, well, I've got several of those. Those don't really turn me on. But it, I don't know what it is about a nice big boxy 4x4 four four mule deer, um, you know, that may look very, very similar to, one, you know, a bunch of bucks that you've already, already harvested. If, if you're anything like me, there's just something about, you know, it's a little wider, it's a little taller, it's a little heavier, like it's it flares out just a little bit more. I mean, there's something about a mule deer rack I really, really like. Yeah, and then the, then the cool thing too, just about like that you're saying, is like I always love the the terrain they're in at the time. It's like, okay, yeah, it's a nice big boxy four-point, and he's in this big nasty avalanche chute or, you know, this big high bowl where you get to like navigate around all these other smaller bucks and get up on top of them and like try to scale down and it's like you know super technical hike and you're just like that adventure side of it i just love it's like i'd rather you know find a cool buck in a really cool terrain area where the scenery's just amazing compared to you know maybe grinding it out on a nasty desert unit for two weeks only seeing a couple deer you know i just love you know that's gonna be fun too but it's like i just love that big adventure side you just never know where the buck's gonna be every single day sometimes you're like oh hey this buck's you know a thousand feet above all these mountain goats like why is he way up above these mountain goats these are so rugged and just that adventure side of it i think is really cool for sure for sure let's dive into um some of the units and um you can kind of take it from there whether you want to kind of do top tier mid tier you know lower tier or however you want to break it down and let's hear about some of the different units um in colorado yeah, so the, my biggest thing I always try to, to tell people is, you know, not to have a ton of points in a lot of these states because, like, you know, you're really buying time in your life when you're hunting. And so it's like, oh, guys get caught up and, like, they hear about a great unit in Colorado. You know, they hear about, oh, yeah, 44 in Colorado, I need to go, you know, need to apply there. And it's like, well, guys just starting out, you're never going to catch some of these point curves or, you know, the, the point creeps. And, it's like you're just going to you hear a unit's really good and you're just going to apply for it, not knowing how Colorado's draw system works. I was saying it's all the preference stuff. So you're going to be sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and never, never going out and going hunting. And that's where I feel like, you know, a lot of guys really need to, like, you know, really dive into the draw odds and figure out, okay, what actually does this unit hold for the terrain? How does it fit for them? Because, like, you can actually go on more hunts in Colorado and not wait all these, you know, 10 15 years it's 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 really tough when you get down to it because like like i was saying before about the whole experience side of it you don't know what you're getting into when you finally draw that tag and it's like so much pressure is going to be put on you whereas like you could draw a, a three point five point seven point unit and go hunting more often which i always think is you know way better than waiting for a dream tag but a lot of guys have different different you know things they would like to do in Colorado. They might use Colorado as a trophy state and use, you know, Idaho, like Montana as one of their every year type things. So it's just all, all kind of, I guess, what your goals are. And that's why I think Colorado is great because it has everything from the zero point units to the really hard point units. And, uh, you know, I guess, 
I guess right off the bat, I mean, the best thing I always do, because, you know, working for Go Hunt, we have the insider program, so it's like, boom, right, when you jump on Colorado, you look at it, it's like, okay, where to, where to start? You know, there's, whatever, there's 100 and, off the top of my head, 180, 180 some units, I believe, in Colorado, and it's just like, okay, where do you, where do you dive into going through that? Are you get a guy who wants trophy potential? Are you just archer hunter? And, like, that's where you can really eliminate everything right away. It's like, okay, let's just talk about, you know, let's, let's go, like, third-season rifle. So it's like, okay, you want a third-season rifle hunt. You just eliminate a bunch of those hunts on our filtering 2.0. That's, like, easiest way to start diving into what you're going to be looking for. And, you know, so I'll say, hey, let's look, let's look for about, you know, a deer that's 170, 180-type deer. And I eliminate, you know, a bunch of stuff. A lot of stuff in Central Park, Colorado is going to be eliminated around, like, you know, the big big city areas but it's like it's 170 in colorado really is still the whole state <laughs> you know colorado's potential for a giant deer everywhere so it's like that's also the fun part you just never know what you're going to get into in the state and so it's like to me when you get down into it it's like i always try to say okay i, I would like to take a 180 bucks i just eliminate so many different units i'm not saying those 170 units are you know not as great but that's why i, I like those because they're hidden hidden gem a little bit you just, they're easier to draw and you know, you can hunt them every year, but it's like, so for this example, it's a 180 inch deer. Now we have like, now we're down to like 39 results of what we can look for. The matches are filtering on trying to find a unit. So instantly it pops up to me as, you know, like right now winter kill, everyone's like gunning the basin is kind of getting bad. Like, I don't, I do think it's slightly a problem, but not enough for people to like, Oh, I have, I shouldn't apply that this year. If you do have the points to go, I would, I would go to Gunnison this year myself, but talking about like easy to draw units, you know, like, I always, I really like all the units around Durango, like 71, 74, 751, 775, like that, ter that terrain and those units to me are typical Colorado, you know, just that, just the units that you can hunt a lot. You can hunt, you hunt that third season, I think pretty much every year. It's usually a hundred percent draw. And, you know, those are the type of hunts I would look for is just like, okay, what's that terrain going to match? Are the draws going to match what I want to? The tags aren't ridiculously crazy. And at the same time, I always try to figure out, okay, when you're looking at a spot to try to apply, if you have a lot of points, let's say maybe you had five points, how many, uh, you know, elk hunters are going to be in the field the same time you are? Like a lot of these units have, you know, over-the-counter elk hunting seasons and second second season, third season, and so forth. And it's like, if you're going to draw a lot of, draw a really good tag, you don't want to be competing with, you know, 500 to 1,000 over-the-counter rifle guys. Not saying they couldn't. You couldn't use that to your advantage while you're hunting, but it's just like, hey, that's a lot of guys in the field driving around, hiking around on horseback in the backcountry with you. So it's like a lot of times you can't just be in your mindset like, oh, this is a mule there unit. I'm going to go there. Like, hey, you look at the overall picture. I think that's really a big thing is a, what does that unit have in it besides for mule deer? Yeah, I think you bring a, good, a great point because you could have some of these units that the you know, that time of year, the deer and the elk, let's say that if they're, if they're inhabiting the same country, well, all the hunters are going to be in the same country too. I think that's another thing where, yes, there might be over-the-counter elk tags, but maybe are those deer going to be in a different uh, transition zone or, or such, and maybe the country doesn't overlap as much as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's where a lot of times, too, you have to pay attention to, hey, is it a heavy you know, private land area for a third season, four season type hunter, they're going to get migrated down in a spot that's not going to be huntable, or they can get migrated down in an area where it could be, you know, the thick oak brush or the thick aspen trees. We're not going to be able to glass. 
So a lot of that plays a, plays in part. That's why like I dive into, you know, I'm filtering it down and filtering 2.0. I'll, I'll dive into a unit profile. Like, hey, I'll check out the whole terrain. What's that unit going to have into it? And then you can really know what you're, you know, getting into before you're going to, you know, blow a bunch of points or, you know, just try to draw, uh, easier to draw units. Like all those things I think people need to really pay, pay attention to when you're building your application strategy, when you're figuring out if you can, you know, this year or five years down the road, it's like, figuring out what you're comfortable hunting and that sort of thing. Cause it's like, you know, Colorado has, has it all, you know, you have stuff on the Eastern side of Colorado, which I've, I'm not quite familiar with. Cause I kind of block out the plains as totally unhuntable because, you know, you really pretty much need private land access. You can draw the tags, but then, Hey, where are you going to go hunting? Cause almost all of Eastern Colorado is private, but there's giant deer taken over there every single year. You see some of the biggest deer come out of Eastern plains, but Brady, you've been with Go Hunt, um, you know, pretty much from the beginning, and you've seen the insider basically develop. And now, uh, one question I would have is, how has it just become a tool for you to, you know, pound through all of these states? Um, and how has it kind of progressed, like the the quality of the actual insider and the quality of the way the data is, you can you know, plow through it. How has that helped you? I think it's helped me, you know, tenfold on showing me, you know, opportunities and just the weird uh, nuances of every state. Like I used to live right next to Idaho, like up in the Northwest corner of Montana for, what was it? 10 years. And now I'm kicking myself. Hey, why didn't I jump over to jump over the border, get over my, quote unquote fears of out of state hunting and I like thought, oh yeah, Montana's the greatest hunting in the world. I'm right up here. I don't want to travel around. I have so much opportunity. You know, I could hunt from August until November in Montana. And now I'm like, why did I never go to Idaho? Idaho had awesome mule deer hunting, even really good like whitetails right across the border from me. I only had to drive, you know, a couple hours and boom, I would have been a great, great hunting again and super cheap licenses. They're over the counter. And like that's what I feel like right now I'm like, man, why why didn't I have go hunt? you know, 10 years ago. And like all this stuff now is just like showing everyone like, Hey, there's opportunity in States. You can just navigate things so much faster. Just being like, take a state and break it down to, you know, your, what you're looking for quality wise, what you look for harvest success. You want high buck doe ratios. You want a higher chance to find a quality buck in the unit. You can just sort all the units by that. So it's like, it has everything for the trophy hunter, the over counter hunter, even, you know, guy just wants to, you know, draw a tag and shoot a shoot a meat buck or a meat bowl it's like you have those opportunities in front of you it's just and being able to take the data like since we're online we just constantly are figuring out ways like hey let's just incorporate this into filtering system this would be really good because it would you know eliminate more units for people or help people that are looking for this certain thing so we're constantly able to add new tools on there and figure out new ways to manipulate the data and show it in like a clean format to people where it makes sense and then to associate them with the unit level that's where the whole powers are, you know, to be able to filter down. Okay, yeah, filter the harvest success and then be able to sort by buck, buck doe ratio, add on the trophy potential, and then, you know, boom, right there, you just have a very powerful system of, of narrowing down a unit to find for. Where back in the day, I was, you know, doing the whole spreadsheet thing myself and grinding it out, but then I wasn't even knowing what that unit holds. Was, all I was going off of is hearsay of, oh, yeah, there's good deer in this unit, or, hey, look at this big report, try to dive through it all waste you know a week of my life trying to figure out okay what what all these codes mean what all this mean you know and how it's all clean and easy i think the biggest part it's all easy and right in front of you you can 
I can research on my phone. I can research on my computer. It's like it makes it makes that research so much better. So you can spend more time, uh, you know, figuring it out where you're going to go hunting in that unit after you've been able to do all your draw odds. You've been able to narrow it down. It's like then you can prepare for being in the field because you've this research is research time is cut in half, maybe even more than that. For sure. Let's let's specifically dive in first to some of the units, um, you know, for those guys out there that have a bunch of points and they're looking for, let's call them, you know, top tier units. Just in your mind, uh, what jumps out at you as, you know, some of the best units as far as quality with with absolutely, you know, no regards to points, just just units themselves that you feel like are um, units that should be on people's radar for sure. No, I, everyone always talks about, you know, unit 44 in Colorado and with, with really good reasons, you know, I feel like those Eagle County, you know, typically produces the highest Boone and Crockett of anywhere in Colorado, Colorado in general, you know, produces, I mean, you just look at the Boone and Crockett record book in Colorado, it's like 778 Boone and Crockett bucks typical bucks have been taken all time and the next closest state is idaho at 273 so instantly right there you can be like you know just like colorado if you want a really high scoring buck is the place to go and so it's just like you look at unit 44 and it's going to take you a lot of points to draw i mean it might be worth it to the guys who have high point levels it's an area that really doesn't get hammered with winter kill they have you know really good winter range which i always like to you know look at the whole picture of it like hey where are the deer going to migrate to where it's going to you know, what's going to be impacting them throughout the whole whole year system. You get the constantly mule that are always hammered by mountain lions, hammered by winter kill, hammered by hunters. It's like, it's a, you know, just like every species, it's kind of a big thing. So like 44, you know, I really like, you know, you know, even, even in the Gunnison Basin, you know, 54, 55, uh, you know, 52 is really good. It's like, they're all, all these big tier, top tier units are actually ob- obtainable, but it's, it's still... You know, are you willing to wait or are you willing to hunt every year? So I think a lot of guys who have a lot of points, you know, really, that's what I think, you know, obviously I love using insider stuff for everything, but it just makes it so much faster. I can say, hey, I have draws, I have, you know, show me all the tags I can draw. I have 10 points at 70% or better draw odds. And boom, instantly, you know, you have that right at your fingertips of what you can actually draw in every single season, which is great because a lot of guys might have 10 points like hey I'm not, i don't want to wait 15 more e- or five more years i want to draw right now what can i draw and they'd be like hey i can actually draw a muzzy hunt in 55 or i could you know just burn my points and draw an archery hunt in 44 for example it's like figuring out what you can do with those points is is, is very powerful and especially when you get up in that time like you've spent so much of your time waiting like you deserve a really good hunt and that's where you really start like grinding out data and like this is why you know i can just grind it all out and compare units really fast and don't you think the hunters these days are becoming more uh adaptable as far as you know maybe the guy that used to only rifle hunt now he's open to muzzleloader hunting now he's open to archery hunting i mean he may be uh an art you know an archery hunter uh you know but all of a sudden there's a muzzleloader hunt in a great unit or um maybe a a, a second season or a, a second choice hunt that he can hunt with a rifle and he realizes well man i i could actually do this and hunt with a rifle or um i mean it seems like the hunter today is becoming more and more adaptable and i think that's because of you know 
some of these units are harder to draw, so they have to figure other ways to do it. Exactly, I totally, I totally think so. Just opens. I used to be a guy too, stuck on my stuck in my ways, and I'm a I'm a giant archer hunter at heart. But it's like I've picked up the rifle the last few years just to expand my season more, and it's been great. It's been phenomenal. You know, I shot my giant here in Colorado this last year with the rifle in third season, and and you know, it's like even if you're the opposite, if you're a diehard rifle guy, like you're saying, like yeah, pick up a muzzleloader. Colorado's really limited in muzzle and like what you can use for muzzleloader. You know, that whole open sight thing. But it's like still, it opens the door to hunting more and hunting some of these units that are, are kind of unattainable because you can't draw them with a rifle. So you might as well drop down to a muzzleloader, try to draw that tag if you have the points. And then even if you're still at that point range where that's, you know, you're, you're not going to catch a muzzleloader hunt, pick up, a, pick up a bow, you know, like the technology of the weapons nowadays too, just it's adds right in there for, they're easy to pick up. They're easy to learn. They're easier to, you know, to, to figure out. So that's why I, yeah, going back to it again, that's why Colorado's a gem. It's got, got things for everyone yeah you know for me um i've hunted unit 66 it's got a mix of public and private um you know it's in the gunnison basin it's still questionable whether it's you know that winter kill is going to affect it um you know the the uh, last time i hunted there was in 09 that was two years after the winter kill i was able to find uh, you know it was one of the only bucks i found that was a mature buck i'm really hoping that uh you know that the the deer, the, the, you know, those mature deer somehow figure out a way to escape that winter um, and that there's some bucks left, but it, it's kind of sketchy. You know, you, you mentioned 54, 55, you know, even, yep. like, a, even like a 67. Yeah, um, I was just going to say 67 as well. Because, I mean, the, all, all those units we're mentioning around too have buck doe ratios like upwards of the 40s, you know, 41, 43, 44, buck, 44 to 100 buck doe ratio, like, that's ideal when you're talking about, you know, getting a, a lot of mature bucks in the field. You have a higher chance of finding, you know, that 180, maybe even a 190 type buck. It's like, that's why a lot of Colorado is great too, because they're, they're so well managed is the biggest thing in Colorado. You know, they, they've taken their deer herds from, you know, now I guess that, you know, deer herds are kind of struggling in the West in a lot of places, but Colorado is still the top of the game when it comes to managing the unit properly. And, you know, the results speak for themselves every single season. Yeah, another unit 21. That's that's one that's always at the top of the heap. Um, seems like, you know, it has a lower buck to doe ratio, but it's it's always up there as far as trophy quality bucks. Mm-hmm. And then and then Brady, as you, as you drop down and maybe go with more of a 170, you know, type. What are some units, you know, handfuls of units that you would say are, you know, kind of that next tier down. Um, but still, you know, could find a. I think any of these units, like we talked about, you could find a giant deer. Oh yeah, any of them you can. You know, that's why, like you're saying, Colorado's so great about this. It's like a lot, a lot of the like, I would say 170 type hunts. You know, or the stuff around. You know, Snowmass, Aspen area. Like you get into, you know, the whole Grand Mesa, and you know, some of those are some of those really trophy units as well. But you know, like. You have still, you have 25, 26, you have 231, you have, you know, 15s really, really decent units. It's like a lot of this, a lot of stuff we're talking about, you know, are the big mountain hunts, but still, I, that's, it still has a train. A lot of people could do it for a third season rifle, or even if you want to try to draw a four season rifle, it's there, you know, even, even some of those units that, you know, are, yeah, 170 draws might be, you know, takes you four three three four points to draw them like you're still looking at buck doe ratios that are insanely high for a lot of the other states like 
<laughs> it doesn't even come close to buck doe ratio. Like Colorado's almost twice as better as like Montana. Even the Montana doesn't give out buck doe ratios, but it's like when you when I'm I hunt Montana a lot and I hunt Colorado now quite a bit, and it's like seeing the amount of bucks that you have when you're hunting Colorado compared to Montana. It's it blows your mind. Like that's why getting out of your home state and trying out Colorado is on should be on everyone's bucket list. You know, I, I think something worth mentioning here is the season dates. You know, last year, I believe that fourth season, that final day was the, you know, it bumped back the, the, the furthest it, it had been. And, you know, everyone was so jazzed about it. But then, you know, we had that, you know, warm, warm, or a warm stretch during the fall. And, it, it you know, it just, it, it wasn't. It was good, but it wasn't incredible like what a lot of people were thinking because, you know, there wasn't much snow. It was warm. It didn't push the deer down. Um, but I'm looking at the season dates this year, you know, like the fourth rifle season uh, is uh, November 15th through the 19th. The third third deer season is uh, November 4th through the 12th. I mean, so still the third, third season is, you know, if, if you get the right kind of weather, you could have real ruddy deer, acting deer, you know, that third season. And then even the second rifle deer season, October 21st to the 29th, um, I mean, some of those, there, there's some units out there, I think, for that second rifle season that if, if you kind of know what you're doing, I think you, I mean, you have a great chance to go in there and find 180 inch plus deer exactly and then here's another thing too you think about so everyone was banking on those late season dates like you just talked about and so everyone burned a lot of people burned their points last year on some of those really good units and a lot of those deer because the weather did not get taken in in 2016 you know a lot of the bigger deer maybe some guys settled out for you know a smaller deer towards the end but still like because a lot of the mature deer if they survive the winter this year could be still you know a banner year the dates are only a date a it's day one early day. Yeah. Is, is not going to hurt you one day. And then if you're an archery hunter, I feel like it's better. Right now, our archery season's opening earlier. So now you're getting the August 26th date compared to, you know, I hunted it two years ago. I think it was like the 28th or 29th it opened. So you get a little better chance, you know, to get a really good buck pattern in velvet. Which, you know, during the early season, they're so predictable. And you get, you know, that more time before they start stripping. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I, I'm afraid to ask you to come up and fish with me because I'm afraid when we'd wake up in the morning, you wouldn't be anywhere around and you'd be up in the high country, you know, looking for a mule deer. Exactly. Yeah. When I met, when I, we hung out there two years ago for a little before we headed in the back country, I was just licking my chops. Like, look at all these streams just everywhere waiting for to be touched. <laughs> yeah, but, but then, yeah, but it, then I had the, the mule deer all around me too. So it's like, a, uh, what do I do? You know, I only have a certain amount of time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it, you quickly forgot about the streams as soon as you saw your next deer and you said, okay, yeah, let's go hunting. Exactly. It's, there's so many cool things to do in Colorado. Those guys have it made who are residents. Don't ever leave. <laughs> <laughs> do you, um, you know, you're obviously hoping to, you know, slide in and draw something in, in uh, Colorado, but you also are going to be hunting you know, Nevada and what other states do you think you'll have opportunities in and potentially have a tag? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to, uh, you know, jump on Wyoming again. I, I drew out last year with my points and I'm, 
you know, hoping to draw with another guy in the office this year to get back to. That was when that, you had those great pictures. We did that podcast in that snow, and you told me that story about shooting that buck. You were by yourself, and all- yep, the big rugged, nasty snowstorm where it yeah. just dumped on me all night. Yeah, and the next day it was just picture perfect, and yeah, that was. I'm hoping to get back there. Might try, you know, I'm still gonna try to draw the same region, and might might grind out a new part of that of that region. Just you never know what you're gonna find in Wyoming, and that's why the whole. I think, you know, Wyoming definitely got slammed harder than Colorado. So I'm kind of nervous about that part of it. But, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned right now, but it's like I have this weird strategy in my head about the winter kill stuff. So it's like, oh, well, I got biologists I'm talking to. It's like either, you know, 40% to 60, even some like 80% numbers are being thrown out there of winter killed fawns. So it's like a lot of guys are saying, yeah, they're finding dead fawns all the place, dead fawns here and there. You know, they're not finding a lot of mature bucks dead. Yeah, there's some that are dying. But still, there's a lot of mature bucks that died last year in the winter because they had some like you know weird late late snowfall. So it's like if you don't go this year and go hunting, I feel like you're gonna miss it. And all of a sudden, three four years from now, or even two years, you know, there's gonna be this lapse of no bucks because all these all these fawns are dying. So yeah, three four years from now, the mature age class is gonna be gone in a lot of these states. And they're gonna be wondering, you know, you know every guy's gonna be struggling. They're gonna have their points pulled up and want to go hunting then. So a lot of guys are scared this year, but I'm like, back in my head, I'm thinking, okay, some guys are going to be scared, but my my thought right now is, yeah, they'll, they'll still be mature bucks surviving. There's going to be not a lot of fawns, which you're not, I'm not hunting a fawn, you know, I'm hunting a, you know, five, six-year-old deer. Right. So that's, that's kind of my hope right now is jumping into Wyoming. It's still going to be productive. And same thing with Colorado. I mean, I was kind of nervous about Colorado because right now I have points for, you know, I'm building on points for my brother. He's from Minnesota. I really want to take him a really good mountain hunt because we always go to montana every year and hunt during thanksgiving you know, always do really well in montana but i want to show him like hey this is what colorado's like this is what wyoming's like it's a lot different than what we've been hunting in montana and so i'm kind of nervous about you know i don't want to have him burn his points and we go on a hunt and don't find a lot of deer so at the same time I'm like hey bryce maybe we'll wait and we'll go in 2018 and see what's going to be like or even then if it's, we don't, you can't hit 2018 i'm probably going to tell him we're going to wait till you know, three years after that, maybe to go, because I don't want to, you know, have that lapse of bucks per se. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point that like, you know, you're hunting a mature deer and what you may hope for is that, you know, a few of those mature deer make it through. But like you said, if you wait and don't put in over the next three, four, five years, that's when the impact of a lot of these fawns dying in some of these units, and then, then you're waiting anyway. Yeah, and then you're going to be waiting a long time. Right. And and then it's like, what's what's point creep going to do? All the guys are going to start banking points and banking points. And it's like, it's uh, things can get a little scary out there <laughs> for a lot of units. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm trying to do Colorado, trying to sneak in there. I'm trying to, you know, sneak in Wyoming again because now, you know, Wyoming don't have the points. So it's going to be a you know difficult part. But luckily, I got the special draw and trying to get in that way. But other than that, I think. Uh, Oh, yeah, I should draw Utah this year. So that's what a hunt I'm really excited for. I should draw Utah archery mule deer tag. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to you know, try try that state finally and just grind it out. I know a lot of people yeah, definitely gets a lot of pressure, but you know, it's a state I've always wanted to go to, and it's just a big buck mecca. And, and then I got Colorado, I got Montana always with my, with my family during Thanksgiving. I always take them out there. So it's, it's, it's going to be a full mule deer season again, but... Yeah, right now Colorado's on the mind. I still haven't I still haven't applied yet myself, and I'm kind of weighing out the hey, what what should I do this year? What do I need to do? And you know, that's why at least at least I have all these tools in front of me that just make it so much easier. You know, I always I've 
I built, you know, the Colorado app strategy. So I have so many ideas in my head of these places to go, but I'm still, ah, what to do with winter kill, what to do with, you know, hunting with another guy in the office. We're both going to go out together. So we both need to find, I need to find two tags that we can draw. And so that adds another, another aspect to it. Yeah. You know, one thing we didn't mention is that, um, Colorado also has a landowner voucher program where, um, you can, I talked, I did a podcast with Clay Hill and, um, and with Cliff Gray and was talking to those guys about the landowner voucher system. And, you know, Colorado is a unique state in, in that you can buy landowner tags and be able to hunt. There's private land only landowner vouchers, and then there's unit wide landowner vouchers where you can hunt the whole unit. Um, and that's an opportunity uh, if you have the resources, have the means to do it. Uh, you know, might be a, a great a great opportunity for you. You can still apply. Um, you can still build points. Uh, but you know, if, if you have the resources, you can also get a landowner voucher or a unit wide voucher and 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 have a great hunt exactly and a lot of guys frown on that in our tags but i'm like why you know it's it makes sense to me to be able to be able to use that and capitalize on it at the same time yeah you're you're you know you're contributing still you're going out there and you're still have to buy a tag and you're the great thing about it is you could you could buy a lantern tag in the same unit you're going to draw the following year to kind of like you know go at like a a hunting slash scouting trip it's like it's so beneficial to me to do that like you get so much more experience buying lantern tag and there's lantern tags that go for relatively you know not a lot of money it's basically two years worth of what you would be paying for a tag you know you can get a cheap lantern archery tags and then you're scouting that unit you're hunting it the year before figuring out hey this is a train actually was really good at you know if i had a chance to go back there again which i had the points to this is what i would do different yeah, for yeah. sure. And, 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 you know, you can buy landowner tags in some of the lesser units as well, uh, you know, not even the top tier units, and maybe learn something that might help you in your application for the following year. Yep, yep. And uh, also Colorado has the really great uh, leftover draw that I believe normally happens like August 1st at like 9 a.m. That's like an in-person there's all all the tags they turn back in are available in leftover draw. You can get that list when you uh, when you apply, and they also show the list on, online later on. But like so, then on August second, you can apply online for these leftover tags. And you know, last year there was phenomenal leftover tags. It was ridiculous. Like you know, I think there was a a 55 archery tag. You know, there was always just phenomenal. It was a 44 third season. I think it was even a 44 fourth season if I remember right. And, you know, they're definitely changing the whole leftover tag process this year and how I think it's like any any tag that took more than five preference points to draw will, will automatically try to go down to the next eligible person. But still, later on, if that person turns it back in, it'll still go into leftover pool, so still be able to get a chance to get those. And that's why you pick up a lot of those, you know, zero to two point units is on the leftover draw, and it eventually becomes like first come, first serve. And it's a great opportunity. If you didn't draw in other states, now hey, you can pick up a leftover tag and still hunt Colorado. So it's a win-win, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, Brady, I, I want to thank you for coming on today with us and sharing some of your knowledge. Uh, I want to thank the sponsors. You mentioned Go Hunt. Uh, Go Hunt Insider has been a sponsor of my podcast kind of from the beginning. 
Uh, if you use the J. Scott promo code, uh, you get a $50 Kuyu gift card uh, just for signing up. Uh, Brady has already talked about uh, the, the value of the resource of the Insider. Uh, it's an incredible tool. I use it all the time. I uh, applied for New Mexico and um, just got done applying for New Mexico and really you know, was looking at a lot of stuff there. Uh, also, Kuyu. Uh, Kuyu.com, uh, Phonescope.com. Use the JScott16 promo code. You get a 10% discount on all Phonescope product. And then the Outdoorsman's, the Optics Authority. Uh, use the JScott promo code, and you'll get a 10% discount over there with Cody Nelson and his crew. Uh, well, it's an exciting time, Brady, and I guess uh, you've got uh, lots of great opportunities already in front of you. I hope you figure out... Uh, uh, your Colorado and finally just at some point you're just going to have to make a decision and go with it. I know you're like me. You analyze stuff so much that sometimes you kind of get locked up. At least I do where you're trying to figure it out and you've got so many variables. Um, but I know you'll come up with a great strategy and, and uh, wish you the best of success in the draw here in Colorado. Hey, same to you. It's an exciting time where, you know, shoving a lot of money different places and it kind of hurts. But then like, you know, a couple months from now we'll all be, it's when you get these draw results, so it's 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 really fun right now. Awesome, buddy. Well, thanks for spending time with us. Uh, thanks for sharing your expertise, and I know the listeners always enjoy having you on, and uh, I just uh, look forward to seeing your success this uh, coming year. Hey, same to you, Jay. Good luck to you. All right, buddy. Thanks Take for having care. me. Bye. Yep.